Hello patrons, so that last episode of this strange little occult ramblings kind of secret podcast, because it's only accessible to people on kind of the higher tiers on the Thoth Patreon, it went down quite well. So I'm figuring maybe I'll give this another go and do a couple more. So today, what I want to talk about is mentoring and teaching. What is it that makes a good student? And why do I personally do this? So a couple of people kind of don't outright say it, but they sometimes say, you know, and allude to the fact that they kind of really want to know who the better students are, who the best mentees are, who do we enjoy working with the most, all of that sort of stuff. And we don't really reveal that kind of information because it's not really fair to, mainly because you're all on different paths. So really it's a case of, we don't really have any bad people that we don't like because we don't work with bad people. But obviously some people's tasks, quests, work, are perhaps a little bit more exciting than others. So all of you are individuals and we like to try and treat you like individuals. Some people need a telling off from time to time, like that person that's been kidnapping angels. I'm glad you've stopped doing that. Other people need a little bit more of a push Some people are kind of in that route of they kind of coast along, always achieving more and always pushing themselves further. But actually, they're quite good at kind of self-governing. And it'll really depend on the type of person you are and how best you learn and what your goals are in terms of the approach that we take with you. Obviously, a lot of people are aware that we do the the conference calls, video calls and that, and set homework and things. But some people, of course, we meet face to face. Um, And yeah, really, I I kind of want to give my take on students, what the perfect student is. And I think in order for you to get an idea of that, I think I should first kind of talk about why I like to do this or why I decided to do this. So... In terms of the mentoring, watching someone accomplish a piece of magic for the first time, literally watching someone discover magic for the first time, or push their magical abilities further, really is a beautiful thing. I get a lot of pleasure in watching people push past their boundaries when it comes to magic and with other stuff, but we won't go there. (laughs) But basically with magic, when you take someone that's never done a spell or anything like that before, and then they discover magic for the first time, they try their spells out or their psychic work, and it works out, and then suddenly something changes within them. You can see, suddenly the universe is bigger and more complicated than they originally thought. And different people respond differently to this. Some people kind of retreat 
and they try to push it away and to try and forget about it and then end up crawling back in a couple of years time when they've come to terms with it. Other people basically kind of are the Hermione Grangers of the world. So they kind of feel like they really, really, really need to play catch up and will try to do this, that and the other, everything possible to try and say, well, I'm missing out on all of this magic. So I got to really throw, throw myself into this and try everything. And then others, obviously, they see magic as a tool that's able to get them where they want to go. So if they wanted to accomplish something in life, obviously now they've discovered magic, that means that that's another tool, or even really another toolbox full of tools, really, if you think about it. Obviously, quite a lot of the people that we mentor and speak to are already in a ma on a magical path by the time we see them. So with them, it's really, they go into two categories. The most common is that they're trying to work on something, but there's some sort of block. There's some sort of obstacle or hurdle that they can't get over. And watching someone struggle and then manage to break through that, particularly when they use slightly more creative means of doing that. That is really cool. I mean, that's such a fun kind of thing to watch. I'm a strategist. I like to overthink. I like the thrill of, I don't know, I suppose creating systems, um, besting opponents. I'm one of those sorts of people. So to watch someone go on that journey is pretty cool and pretty interesting. And the one thing about mentoring is, although you're supposed to know the subject that you teach well, much of magic is to do with creativity. It is an art form. It's about ob overcoming obstacles and hurdles. If there's some boundary or something or someone in your way, then this isn't religion. We don't just accept it. We want to know why and then we want to break through it if we don't agree with why that boundary is there. That is at the core of, I think, witchcraft particularly, but magic in general. It is literally you decide, it gives you the power to decide how the universe operates. If you think about what a witch is and what they do, or what we do as magical practitioners, we literally change the universe around us according to what we want. Now, sometimes we're not always successful at that. Sometimes we change it and then work out perhaps that might not have been such a good idea after all. But ultimately, we're doers. Ultimately, we all want to go and do and cause change and be in the driver's seat. We don't want to be a passenger. We want to be the driver. And when it comes to students... That is the sort of mentality that will be the difference between a student that excels and goes deeper down that rabbit hole and a student that just repeats the first year over and over again. Some say it's, it's a hunger inside to learn and push yourself further. But I'm not entirely sure whether I 100% agree with that because there are 
people that are hungry for knowledge and power on paper, they say they want it and they try, but they never really get there. And a lot of it is to do with the mentality of the person and their ability. Just because you're hungry to win a sprint does not necessarily mean that you're going to go and do that at the Olympics because you need that hunger. If you're going to enter into the Olympics, here's a little clue. You also need to take a lot of that performance enhancing drugs, although obviously not really supposed to talk about it but essentially you do need that to to compete with the elite out there to be at the top of your game you don't just need to be superhuman you need to be super superhuman and in order to succeed in and push yourself really far compared to the vast majority of practicing magical practitioners that kind of whole super witch thing you kind of need to be that now, not everyone wants that, and obviously we don't really push people to get to that. As you all know who are listening, because obviously pretty much all of you are mentored by me and Chris, or me or Chris, you know, individually. So you all kind of know the, the philosophy, the approach we take, and that's to take you and to get you to pick what you want and ultimately this normally always changes normally the things that people start off wanting their long-term goal the more they get closer to that or the more they discover about the nature of the universe and magic the more that that changes it's often to me like when you ask a child what do you want to be when you grow up and they say a princess or something like that. How many people grow up to be princesses? Or how many of those children grow up to be firemen, Sam? Not that many of them. Some of them really, really do want that. And they just fail at getting there. But really, the vast majority of them change what they want along the way. And I think this is true for a lot of people's magical paths. But obviously, when it comes to actually doing something, because we're all about the doing with witchcraft and magic, it's, some, it's a craft, something you have to do. We need to set you off in a direction. We need to get you to do something. And the best way, I think, to get people to engage is to help them work towards the goal that they want. Now, this works a lot like a personal trainer. It works a lot like, obviously, the people that I mentor and the people that I talk to, I tend to use sports references and examples and things like that um, because I find that it's something that most people can relate to and it's quite simple. And sometimes... It's nice to explain things in a mundane way. Take one person who we were talking to about Witch Wars 3. So we were talking about the process of evocation and said person wasn't quite knowing what approach they'd like to take in terms of evocation. They'd read a lot about it, you know, but they'd never really tried it. 
and a lot of the information they were reading they didn't necessarily agree with or like from an uh, I suppose you'd say an ethical perspective now I said think about that Andromalia that demon as a biker think of the Goetia the book that realm as a biker bar the aim of the game is to go for tea and cakes with that biker Andromalius from the biker bar and ask him about his tattoo obviously the magical equivalent is Witch Wars 3 where we're getting you to evoke and summon up a demon in this physical reality in order for you to ask it information about its sigil you know obviously in this case the sigil is uh, the um, tattoo the biker is Andromalius the demon and the realm which Andromalus is from is essentially the biker bar. <laughs> so putting examples like that, I tend to find the mundane ways because you would know what you would do in a mundane situation. Mundane things, we all live kind of semi-mundane lives, but we all interact with the mundane world. And very often, if you want to work for a magical problem, I find thinking about it in a mundane way giving mundane examples and then kind of transmuting that or transposing that over to the magical equivalent often works because people when you get older have to navigate life they have to navigate living in this mundane earthly world so the way you behave and the approaches you take obviously a lot of that will be to do with your personality and your knowledge base and your strengths and weaknesses but a lot of people starting out on the magical path aren't aware of these. They're not aware of their magical strengths and weaknesses. They're not aware of the magical laws. And they're not used to really leading a magical life and interacting on a slightly higher level with the rest of the magical community, whether it be humans or spirits or what. So thinking about things first as below, so above thinking about it from down here from a mundane I think helps people to uh, to really kind of throw ideas around inspire themselves to think a little bit outside of the box by technically literally thinking in the box if the box is the physical world and physical life but anyway so in regards to students some students can be a little annoying I find if I have to repeat myself over and over again if I have to say something more than 10 times and the person tries their very best to instead of picking out of three options to invent a fourth option that pisses me off I, I, I do tend to struggle with that however when someone's genuinely making an effort you can't really, or I don't find that I'm really all that upset with them. Some people progress quicker than others. Some people have to be taught slightly different than others. And ultimately, the one thing that a teacher and a mentor wants is for you to do your best. So giving up is no good. You can talk about thinking outside of the box and experimentation 
and things that might occur to you or might not occur to you and being judged based on your raw ability and that. But ultimately, because they do often say there's no such thing as a bad student, it's just bad teachers, which of course is bollocks, because if the student well, doesn't want to put any effort in and they want everything handed to them on a plate, then that would be a bad student. If the student's willing, but they are unable to get there, then that's neither the student nor the teacher's fault. If you get a willing student that needs the teacher to teach in a slightly different way, then that's the teacher's fault for not teaching in the way that's needed. So what is my ideal student? What's my ideal student and why? Well, trying to give examples that people can relate to, I'm not going to use kind of modern television references because I know not everyone watches television and the like but there is a film I think is a Disney film it's called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and in there there's a witch she's an older lady but and she lives on her own um, I think from the story she started practicing witchcraft and was interested in it after her husband died and she took some scammers uh correspondence course to learn magic and find that actually it did start to work and then the good thing about that if you've ever watched bed knobs and broomsticks because i'm not really going to ruin the storyline because i do think that it's actually a genuinely brilliant film and there's a lot that can be learned not necessarily the magic there but that there's a lot that can be learned by the witch that stars in that film because what you have with the witch that stars in that film is she never gives up. She's got a definite determination to accomplish something. And here's what a lot of people forget. We do get people that come and they say they want to learn everything. And they often end up never really mastering anything because they go from one thing to the next to the next to the next. The witch in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, she doesn't know exactly everything about magic. She still consider, considers herself to be a complete beginner. But what she does have is she does have the determination not to let anything, and I mean anything, get in her way. She also has a plan, a goal. She's working towards something. So in that film, obviously, she's working towards is World War Two, so set in World War Two. She wants to use witchcraft and magic against the Nazis. So what she's trying to do is she's trying to discover magical techniques, systems, or pieces of magic, essentially areas of magic that she can use to help the British win the war. Obviously, that's admirable. Um, in terms of the ethics and morality, what side you're on in that war doesn't really matter. Um, we're not going to go into that. But the point is not that she's using magic to do something good for the world. We don't give a shit about that. The point is that she's got a goal. She knows what she wants. And it's not like there's a spell in any of the spell books she's got to go and destroy the Nazis. She has to think outside of the book. She has to take all of her magical knowledge, all of the techniques she's learned, and she's got to try and utilise them 
to bring about the goal she wants. So whenever she masters a spell or an area of magic, she's always thinking, how can I use this to get to my ultimate goal? Is there anything more powerful? Is there anything else I need? Obviously, in this film, she ends up going on a quest because much like in the classical period, quest-based learning is something that is extremely important, I think, within magic. We, both me and Chris, put on day courses and short courses in magic where we rent out a hotel or whatever, bring people along and then teach them areas of magic, whether it would be potion making, whether it be spell casting, whether it be possession work, stuff like that. We do that. And is successful. But. It's safe. And we are the ones. That are basically saying. Go and do this. Go and do that. We've made it super simple for you. Quests aren't like that. Quests are dangerous. Some of the most defining characteristics. In uh, you know classical mythology. Are the heroes on their quests. The hero's journey. Great things are accomplished by people that are going on those journeys. In order to progress in magic, for any of the intermediates, it's always quest-based magic. You're always set on a course that you have to walk and you don't know where it's going to take you. Is like solving a clue, uh, a riddle, basically, that takes you on to another clue or riddle, and then you have to continue and continue. In the bed knobs and broomsticks, obviously, the witch ends up going to some kind of other world, um, cartoon land, in order to get the secret magical words for substitutionary locomotion, which she then uses successfully near the end of the film to kick the Nazis out. Obviously, within a lot of these heroes' journeys in mythology and in film and all of that, the heroes often win. They prevail. They get to the end of their journey. It's a, I wouldn't like to say happy ending because there can be terrible death and turmoil and trouble, but they end up accomplishing mainly what they set out to do. In the real world... That's not always the case. Many magical practitioners set upon quests and particularly when it comes to magically binding contracts and pacts with gods, goddesses and spirit mentors. One of the big problems with that is that you're agreeing to go on a quest. And that god goddess is sending you on that quest. And remember, these spirits and things have a vastly different take on your life and how important it is. Some of them may not like it if you end up being hurt or damaged emotionally or physically. But ultimately, from their perspective, it doesn't matter. 
If you die on your quest, it doesn't matter to them. Whenever we do get people that have already entered into one of these quests, we perform kind of like the role of, in the classical kind of uh, myths, I suppose, the heroes on their quest and they encounter a witch that helps them along the way or they encounter a god or goddess that helps them along their way is never our job as a mentor or a teacher to give people the answers if you're trying to get the golden fleece we can't give you that golden fleece we can help you along the way Sometimes, though, it is really difficult to determine when you're going to let someone fall off that cliff, whether you're going to grab them by the hand as they're falling off, or whether you tell them, don't go on that cliff, there's bad footings and you could fall off. It is something I think both me and Chris struggle with, and most of the conversations that we have together in our kind of meetings behind the scenes normally always involve us trying to work out when do we intervene with this person now for the beginners that we're mentoring from scratch we never really need to have that conversation because their tasks that you know their goals are normally well, I just want to develop more psychic ability. I just want to learn spellcasting. I just want to be able to speak to spirits, those kind of things. That's pretty easy. But when you've got other people, when you've got people with super specific goals that you have to work out, is that goal really what they want? Is that goal achievable? What do you need to achieve that? And them achieving that goal, what impact does that have on the rest of the universe and creation? There are a number of people that their actual goals that we're mentoring them towards would literally reshape the fabric of this physical world and reality. Now, we personally wouldn't decide to go and do what they're deciding to do. But at the same time, as mentors, it is kind of thoth witchcraft shop policy that we don't put our ethics, morality and our thoughts and feelings into other people's crafts. We obviously try to give our opinions on things, but if someone wants to do something incredibly dangerous and stupid, after telling them why you think it's dangerous and stupid, if they still want to go ahead and do that, that is their prerogative. That's their decision. And we are, I suppose, quite rare in the fact that even after we say no, we don't agree with that. We will still help the person. Now... Some people will think, ah, Liam, you're helping the person because 
you know that somewhere along their way, when they learn more, they're going to work out, actually, that goes bad, and they're going to start to share the same opinion as you. In reality, I can tell you that's not necessarily the case. Some people try to work towards a goal because they think that's the best solution because they don't know the other solutions to the problem or the thing they dislike. Other people work towards a goal and they do work out, okay, there may be a better course of action, but by God, I am going to lock Yahweh in an alternate fey hell dimension, regardless of what it does for the rest of humanity. We don't necessarily agree with the long-term goals and aspiration, aspirations of the people we mentor. But we still help them along their way. And I think that is probably what separates us from a lot of other people out there. I've spoken to a lot of people that get quite high up in business in the, the corporate world. Whether that is them starting their own businesses or working their way up the corporate ladder. And while a lot of people that sit on um, a board of directors for a company... What a lot of them will say is that when a CEO fills a board of directors with yes men and women and people that share the same opinion, that's when the company or organisation starts to stagnate. When you have people that all share the same opinions, that's kind of an echo chamber. And... It's really difficult sometimes to work out, am I in an echo chamber because everyone just has the same ethics as me? Am I sharing the same opinions as everyone else simply because, well, we're all right and we know that the sky's blue? Duh. Or what is it? And generally mentoring means that we have to be in the position that we have to fuck shit up for people. And I don't mean cursing and hexing and a jinking patrons and mentees. What I mean is we kind of sometimes need to play devil's advocate. And even if we disagree with their approach, we need to pretend we agree with it just so that we can then turn around and disagree with it and make them rethink it. Or if we do agree with their approach, we need to disagree with it because the real bad thing and danger about mentoring and the like is that people trust you. And if you've got someone that you think knows more than you and that you really trust, you're inclined often to do whatever it is they say. And I'm not saying that we are... Um, untrustworthy by any means but we obviously have to engineer situations whereby we do have to leave the children to see what happens when they start playing with the matches at the same time generally we have to make sure that they don't burn the house down but we do need to give them the opportunity to make mistakes we also need to push them away if they become too attached. 
the hardest thing about being a mentor and mentoring people in the art of magic is got nothing to do with how you teach them, uh, what you're teaching them. The subject matter is really quite simple. The real difficulty is the healthy relationship and balance between being a mentor or being someone's mentor and your relationship with your student. So I don't know what obviously you guys think, because if you're listening to this, the chances are you are mentored by one or more of us. So where is it you think that we do it right? Where is it we think we that where is it that you what do you think we do well? And what do you think we don't do well? Because your opinions are important to us. We don't necessarily think your opinions are right, of course, but it is generally always good to have feedback. Because when me and Chris go to the pub or out for dinner and have a little chat about who's getting up to what and how well we think they're doing and whether someone needs a kick up the ass, it's nice for us to kind of rethink our approaches to how we take and lead people along their kind of little tour or little journey. Because very much you've kind of got the difference there. With the intermediates, we're having to follow them along to make sure that they're not getting lost. It's like following your child to school to make sure they know the way to school. When it comes to the beginners, obviously we're leading them to school we're showing them where school is and that relationship you'll probably notice at some point if we've been mentoring you for a while there will be a change sometimes we'll be the people that are leading the way sometimes we'll leave it to you to find your own way and just maybe follow along and intervene if it really does go wrong which most of the time tends to be behind the scenes, <laughs> which some of you I know accuse us of uh, tampering with your little quests and that, but uh, ultimately it's kind of our job. So there we go. I'm going to keep this short. Obviously these occult ramblings are just ramblings, so I'm not going to promise that I'm going to do each of these little rambling occult podcasts for an hour or half an hour or whatever but what i'm going to try and do if you like them is i'll try and get one done a week so you'll get one every week so that way you should have something that comes out on a monday to start you off on your little week and then obviously the usual podcast coming out on thursday and then whatever content else we do in between and then of course i know you'll have your homework anyway so There we go. Have a nice week, everyone.